Hello, and welcome back to Dr. Quackers. So today, we're going to be reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, this is my first review of an MCU film. I wanted to start off with a bang. Uh, this movie was a huge gamble for Marvel. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy were a little-known comic uh, with smaller actors as the leads. Uh, specifically, Chris Pratt, who's only really known for Parks and Rec. Uh, Zoe Saldana, she had been in a few big things. But she was green in this movie, so probably a little bit harder to recognize her. Uh, Dave Batista, he was known for WWE. And if you didn't really know WWE, you didn't really know him. Uh, I knew who he was, but I, I'm not most people, to be fair. Um, although, I will say Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel were legitimately big-known actors. Unfortunately, they were also voice acting roles, so they didn't really help with marketing as much. Although, they were on the front of the poster. But... Um, they also had a relatively unknown director at the time, James Gunn, with which, with all of these, like, I don't know if this is going to work, uh, little gambles they had, it turned into one of Marvel's biggest successes. In, in fact, it has, it's had a film, a completed sequel, and they're writing and filming another sequel, the third one, and they've been in the two most recent Avengers films. Uh, they were Infinity War and Endgame. The best part of this film is the soundtrack, which is, I'm pretty sure, what revitalized listening to the oldies type of music for uh, my generation. <laughs> and it's what most people remember from this film. Poked on a Feeling by Blue Suede and Come and Get Your Love. Uh, oh yeah, that's, um, that's really what a lot of people remember for this, other than you know, Rockin' and Groot, who are the fan favorites on this film. This movie is one of my favorite examples of how to set tone and giving emotion to a scene through its music. Uh, what also makes the music specially playing in the movie. It's part of Star-Lord's character arc. Uh, yeah, I, I love the music. I love the way they use it. Um, I knew a lot of the songs before the movie came out, and I was actually a big fan of the characters before they were put on film. I really like Star-Lord in the comics. Uh, Rockin' and Groot I didn't know Groot as well, and I knew Drax, because the original backstory for Drax is that he was created by Thanos' family to destroy Thanos, which is why he's called Drax the Destroyer. But I like the change in the origin story they had for this, uh, for that film. But yeah, I was, I was really excited for this movie. I remember when I was in school, and I was like, hey everybody, are you excited for Guardians of the Galaxy? And half the kids were like, who the fuck are they? Is that Spider-Man? Is Spider-Man on the team? And I'm like, no, it's, it's got a tree guy, it's got a raccoon, you know, it sounds fun. And a lot of people were like, okay, good fucking luck. But hey, you know what? I'm talking about it right now. Oh, who was really right here? So, after mentioning uh, Star-Lord being connected to this, it brings me to my next point. Star-Lord is given one of my favorite character arts in the MCU. His love and longing for his mother is what drives his actions in this film. It's his love and grief that leads him to his change at the end of the film. So, a, lot, part of, a big chunk of the reason why through a lot of this film, he's so attached to this music, and he's so attached to things from his childhood, things like Footloose, and you see a lot of troll dolls. And it's very aesthetically themed to his childhood. Everything he does is, that is when his mother was alive. It's because of the beginning of the film. It's not a spoiler. It's right in the first 10 minutes. 
Um, Star-Lord is shown as a young boy, I believe he's 10 or, 10 or 12, and his mother's dying of cancer. Um, his father's not around. She claims he was an angel and that he'll be coming for him. But they set the tone really well with the music. I, I love that song they play in the beginning. It's, 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 it really sets that tone really early for what kind of movie this is going to be. It is a very emotional film, and a lot of people always think about the humor from it. And to be fair, it has great humor. But just the, the song, I'm Not In Love, it, uh, it, really, it really shows how Quill, uh, Peter Quill is his name if you don't know, <laughs> that, that Star-Lord's name, the real name is Peter Quill. Um, it's him, the song really sets up the, him trying to push down his sadness and knowing the realization and his soon coming reality that his mother's going to die of cancer, tragically. Um, <laughs> so his grandfather then brings her in the room and she basically is saying her goodbyes to him and asks him to hold her hand. But due to the fact that he can't face his reality, he refuses to take her hand and she dies. And he immediately regrets his decision and runs out of the hospital and is taken by some sort of ship and then you know cut i think it's 14 years i think he's like i think that's what it said um and he's he's no star lord he's a <laughs> he's basically a space pirate and it's him keeping that childhood innocence in his first beginning where he's in a dangerous planet he's not really familiar with but instead he puts on his headphones and begins jamming out to come and get your love and he's you see a bunch of these nasty creatures and he he grabs one and starts using like a microphone and he's dancing around on a job that he has no information about. And they continue that theme throughout it is that his his sheer bumbleiness throughout through most of the galaxy, he just doesn't he doesn't really care. He just kinda half asses everything because he doesn't want to have to really think about what's going on in his world, how he got to this point. And it's not till the end of the film after he's dealt with, you know, learning that it's okay to become attached to people and learning that you need to, you know, make yourself a better person and you can't just be this immature and you can't, you can't just not give a fuck about anything. That at the end of the film, um, that his mother gave him a gift before she died. It was in a little box and had a card. And after he defeats Ronan the Accuser and Nebula and he saves, he's, um, he saves the Nova Corps. He's sitting down and he, he reads his mother's letter and he finally, him opening the gift and reading the letter after all these years is his acceptance of who he is and what he's become and his reality. He never, he never wanted to face the fact that his mother was dead because if he did, that would mean he has no one left. But part of the reason why he's able to accept it is that him and the other guardians of the galaxy become very close in friendship and see each other as some sort of pseudo adoptive family. Um, as of all of them who were taken or Drax's a wife and daughter were murdered by Fan oh, technically by Ronan, but he was ordered by Thanos and Gamora's parents were murdered in front of her by Thanos and was basically forced to be her, uh, his adopted daughter. And through that, through the trauma, they're able to form a bond, which is what eventually leads Quill to realize that he needs to let go of his grief for his mother and move forward. 
And so he opens up the tape and the letter and he, he gets, she made him a new mixtape before she died. Um, and he begins to play the tape and it's um, Jackson 5, um, I Want You Back. So yeah, I just, I think that whole arc of Star-Lord can be very relatable to a lot of people. Grief is something most people can't deal with. And I think through this way and through the, the way they use humor and the way they use tragedy and that they don't go over the top with a lot of the explanations. It's a lot of showing, not telling. And they use it through, uh, through the music, which is why I love the soundtrack uh, so much. So yeah, that's, that's my, that's, other than the soundtrack, that's my favorite part of the film. And I don't think a lot of the other MCU films really get up to that standard of how to make a character. I think the only other character that get that gets that kind of treatment, in my opinion, so far, is Iron Man. And they're starting to do that with Spider-Man. Tony's arc through the whole MCU is the only thing. For me personally, you don't have to agree with me. Uh, Star-Lord's arc through his films are just as are on the same par as Iron Man. For different reasons. Obviously you can disagree. You can say I'm completely wrong. That's fine. This is my opinion, so I can think however I want. Uh, the special effects still hold up. Um, they look really well. I mean, you wouldn't even know if, if this came out today. Um, I mean, it's in seven years, it still looks pretty damn good. And a lot of films can do that. So I think the sets are full of color and, little, and a bunch of little details. And that's what makes the environments they're in feel lived in. It's full, it's full of life. And I like how everything looks unique and different. You see a whole bunch of different settings, planets, aliens, creatures. I love that. That's why I love in sci uh, science fiction films. If you only have like two settings in a science fiction film, to me, it's really boring. That's all you could come up with in the vastness of space. You can only think of two things that, you know, life would do in the galaxy. They're able to fly in space and they're like, no, nope, we only need to fuck everything else. So I'm really glad they didn't do that. And plus, Marvel has actually a really cool uh, side of their universe in space. Which I'm hoping they explore a little bit more in the future MCU. I mean, they do it a little bit. Guardians is kind of the entryway into that part of the, a part of the universe. Um, but I'd like it to continue. Hopefully they do it with um, Captain Marvel. They kind of tried to do it in the beginning of that movie. and then. But anyway, that's that's not, we're not talking about Captain Marvel. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. So this is, this is what my nerdy side wants to do. I want to talk about all of it. Um, everyone gives a great performance. Bradley Cooper gives a surprisingly delightful performance as Rocket Raccoon. After, after listening to him voice act, I want to hear him voice more things. It's one of the highlights of the film. I love him as Rocket Raccoon. And I honestly, it hard, it's hard for me to listen to anyone else voice or play Rocket Raccoon. Because I'm like, you're not as good as Bradley Cooper. That's not as good. You should just have Bradley Cooper do it. I don't care how much it is. It'll, you'll make more money back if you have the voice actors from the films everyone knows as the characters. You should do that more. I, I wish they used um, Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper for the miniseries, um, but they didn't, unfortunately. Uh, Groot is definitely the heart of the film, and he only uses four words. Uh, due to the masterful way that they wrote and context that they put Groot in, you're able to tell his emotions the way he wants you to understand uh, the emotion or feeling he's towards the situation. Uh, just through four words. And I have to give Vin Diesel props there. It's hard to make one sentence 
fit a whole movie. Because it's a premise that could easily go very south very quickly. Because if you just, I the whole movie, there's no emotion in that tone. If it was monotone the whole time, it would rather ruin the character and probably get annoying. But he doesn't. It's a great performance. Dave Batista, huge surprise for me. I I wouldn't have necessarily guessed that Dave Batista before this moment had great acting chops. And I know some people out there are like, well, he did WWE, not fake. That's not the same. Um, there are a lot of wrestlers that shouldn't act, but they act in, the, in WWE. I like Goldberg, but Goldberg shouldn't be an actor. Probably not. Unless he wants to play Musclehead, which is all he did, ever. Um, fortunately, Dave Batista is like The Rock, where surprisingly, holy shit, he's entertaining to watch, he's funny, and he looks badass, and he can do some cool-ass shit in this film. And Drax is actually one of my favorite characters throughout the whole franchise, and it's due to the personality that Dave Batista puts into the film and in the character. Plus, I love I love the way they use his humor because his alien species doesn't understand sarcasm. They only look at things black and white. And I love a lot of the dialogue between him and Star-Lord and uh, Rocket. I think it's really great. Uh, Ro- Rocket is actually um, what really helps build Drax's character because he's a good opposite to Rocket. Rocket is very much like super sarcastic. He's really smart. He's really fast. He talks very quickly. Um, but Drax is not. He's... he's he takes everything as it is, and he doesn't really understand social cues. And I like that. I like him and his character. Um, Zoe Saldana, I hope I pronounced her last name right, she does a great Gamora. Gamora is definitely one of the best characters in the MCU. Um, I, I would like to see more of her. I'm hoping we will in the next film. Um, although I will say, I don't think sh- her best, uh, the best utilization of the character is in this film. Um, I, I mean, she's cool, but due to the fact that they have to make her more likable, it kind of, you don't really get to build the character. They have to build liking the character, so they're not able to add more depth to the character to which I would like. But that's mainly because I know more about the comics than the average viewer. And you might love her, this might be your favorite version of the character, which is fine. You know, dealer's choice. Uh, the only part of this film... I don't like are the villains. Ronan the Accuser is one of the most boring MCU films. Uh, one thing I'll give him is he's a legitimate threat to the Guardians of the Galaxy. There's legitimate, like, they might lose because he fucks them up a couple times throughout this movie. Other than that, he's just a big bruiser. He's got no depth and he's really boring. Anytime he shows up, I'm like, oh, it's the big blue guy with a hammer. Cool. He's just evil for evil's sake. Which sometimes, if used the right way, it can be good. It's good. You know, Azula from Avatar the Last Hamburger. Great, great way of using evil for evil's sake. Alright. Ozai, his presence before he showed up was cool. Um, but that's a different story. So yeah, you can use evil for evil's sake. But this one, he's just fucking boring. He's just there and... He's, unfortunately, a lot of Marvel films follow the same suit. Is that the heroes are so interesting that their villains suck ass. They're not a whole lot of memorable, which is why villains like Loki and Thanos are so beloved by fans. Because surprisingly, if you put effort and depth into your villains, people will like them and want to see more of them. That's how you make a great villain. Which, I'm not going to knock it too bad, because it's not the only film to do it. But, yeah. 
Uh, Nebula is the other villain. I actually like her in the later films, but this one kind of follows the same trend as Ronan. She's evil for evil's sake. I will say I think she has more connection to the Guardians due to the fact that she's like Gamora's sister, even though they're not actually related, but it's her adopted sister. And I like their relationship and how it builds in the later films. Just right now, it's it's just kind of face value right now. She's evil because I'm angry. Thanos was a dick to me. And so was Gamora from my point of view. I don't know. She's just not very interesting in this film. Which is nothing against the actress. Plays are just fine. But not a whole lot to do. Thanos makes an appearance, but only to make a connection to the Power Gem. Yeah, this was the first appearance of the Power Gem. It's the Purple Gem, in case you don't know the names. So yeah, that's, they have these in for a moment. Although, I'm curious, in case any of you know, if you want to let me know. Did, did anyone else, does anyone else think that they kind of tweaked Thanos' voice after um, Josh Brolin played him in the recent films? His voice sounds more like Josh Brolin's, unless he always voiced him. I feel like I'm, I'm going crazy after watching that. I'm like, was Josh Brolin always the voice? Was I just stupid and didn't know? Did I only know that till the Avengers Infinity War? But I don't, I don't think so. I think I'm right about it. I don't think it was him. But I think they tweaked his voice to sound more like Josh Brolin's. So yeah, overall, I really enjoy this film. It's one of my favorites. I, I mean, I remember I saw this in theaters three times. I really enjoyed it. It's really funny. The humor is fantastic. And this was like the first Marvel film to use this type of humor. Unfortunately, after this movie came out, everyone wanted to make their own Guardians of the Galaxy, which is how we got the shitty-ass Suicide Squad film from DC. Um, and the Marvel, the later Marvel films, kind of just go with, like, Thor Ragnarok. I, I like Thor Ragnarok, but it's basically Guardians of the Galaxy, but with Thor. Uh, yeah, they do that with a lot of the other later films. Because the, the, the first set of the first phase one of the MCU was a lot more serious, didn't have as much humor. It wasn't until the Avengers that certain characters started to get more jokey, but James Gunn really injected MCU with humor, and that's what got really popular. And Marvel was like, put that humor in everything, because they fucking loved it in that one, which can be kind of a hamper on the later films. But this time, it was the original, so I'm not going to knock it for creating that trend because it did it the best. Alright? That's why it's that's why it stuck. So I'm not gonna knock it, I don't care. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this movie a rating of nine out of ten. To me it's a near perfect film. If you just tweak those fucking villains, one of the best superhero films you can watch. I'm not kidding. It's good. I've seen all of them. And when I mean all of them, I've seen every superhero film ever to be released. Alright? I'm not lying. Believe me. I'm a duck who doesn't lie. Ducks don't lie. We just quack. Right? So. I know this episode was a little bit longer than usual. I still hope you enjoyed. I really enjoyed talking about this movie. And I probably will do another MCU film really shortly. Uh, there's a lot of good MCU films. And there's some bad ones. And I look forward to talking about both. So, I hope you have a good day. And I hope you have a good fucking time. Alright, thank you. Bye.